Folks, I'm telling you, the 1978 model pickup trucks are rolling in out of Friendly Chevrolet every day. And we still have over 80 1977 pickups and a different type of trucks for you to choose from. All right. And the only way I know to get rid of them is to sell a brand new 77 half ton for $38.95. Can you believe that? No. Or how about a, a half ton with a V8 engine and a four-speed transmission? Has power steering, power brakes, front stabilizer bar, has an eight-foot bed, heavy-duty rear springs and gauges for only $46.95. This is a 77 brand new. Here's a 77 half-ton four-wheel drive for you guys who are getting ready to go hunting. You know, hunting season starts the first of the month. This is just an ideal rig for you to come out and, and buy. It's a four-speed with a six-cylinder engine. All right. Has gauges, an eight-foot-long wide box, on and off road tires and locking hubs, Ooh. brand new 77 four-wheel drive for $4,895. We're open every night till 10 o'clock. Come out and kick a tire too. $4,800, Holman. Can you imagine buying a half-ton pickup truck? Fully loaded, $4,800. You uh, wish you could get those prices again. Not no more. Well, uh, that's not true. It's just going to be roached out in a farmer's <laughs> you know, uh, field returning to the earth. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a flat fender. Odd Ford? No, that's not returning to the earth. That's sitting inside a metal shop being uh, returned to uh, uh, this dimension. Okay, all right. This this life. How's it coming along, by the way? I don't know. Oh, you don't know? I haven't seen it in a few months. <laughs> 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 haven't heard from Josh in a while. Oh, really? It's fine. I don't have room for it. I don't have more money to pay him. So okay. Just let it, so just let, let it be. Let, it's, it's fine where it is. Well, Holman, it looks like you did a nice job cleaning up after your backyard party yesterday. Hey, guys. Miles, your producer here. Oh, uh, yeah? I saw the photos from Holman's backyard party. Since he's probably hungover, I'm happy to fill in. I can talk about my Subaru legacy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, that will not be necessary. No, the the the, uh, the party was great. I, uh, I posted a ton of... Uh, Reels on how to uh, smoke brisket. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, yeah, I found really funky music to go with it. It made him kind of fun. And uh, wait, what is funky music to go with brisket? No, on the reels, you idiot. Oh, gotcha. And uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was probably one of the best briskets I've ever done. Two of them, and they came out. I mean, absolutely stunning. And then, for some weird reason, this never happens. The briskets finished early, and so uh, I had some extra resting time for them. And I looked at the smoker, and it was still going strong at 250. And I'm like, "Well, I got three tri-tips, so I uh, smoked uh, some tri-tips, and then reverse seared them on the Weber Genesis 2. And uh, those came out phenomenal. If you've never smoked tri-tip and then done a reverse sear, uh, you're you're missing. It's not quite as good as the Triscuit, which we talked about earlier on a different episode a couple uh, weeks ago. But this will take only about 90 minutes or or less. So. Really quick way to, to have a deliciously scrumptious uh, tri-tip. Did you have any leftovers? Not not many. Oh, really? Not many. Yeah, no, if you wanted to come to the party, you would have had to come to the party. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. I was uh, a little under the weather, as you can probably still hear in my voice. Yep, but you uh, you made it to the show, so uh, so good good on you for that. Yeah, so anyway, party was great. Uh, food was uh, off the hook. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, what did people think of the pod shed? This is the first time a lot of folks would have uh, seen it. Somebody left a wiener on our oh, whiteboard. Oh, I see the, see the wiener the over there. Yep. I left the pod shed door open because we had a ton of people, and everybody was wandering through. It was like a pod shed open house, mm -hmm. and they all thought it was Oh, uh, the, did awesome. they drop off gifts? Booze? Uh, actually... Oh, look at that. What is that? Uh, I've got a bunch of booze. I've, 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 there's some more in the house. This one is uh, the Kentucky Owl. It will not surprise you that I've never heard of that. It is called the Wise Man's Bourbon. 
It says right here on the label. So <laughs> I am not a um, wise man. I am really excited about this. So this is a 96.4 proof. I've heard this is a really, really good bottle, and I haven't had Kentucky Owl before. So uh, super excited about that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a busy couple weeks. So uh, I recently uh, got back from Detroit this week where I was at America's Most Wanted 4x4 talking to Jared Pettiprin, who's the owner there, and he gave me a, a shop tour of the entire process of how they blow Wranglers and Gladiators apart and uh, turn them into their own bespoke vehicles. He let me drive a 1,000-horsepower Heliphant uh, Wrangler yes. in the rain. In the, oh, He's yes. like, yeah, just take it out. In the rain. I'm like, are you sure? And then- Did uh, he have, wait, did he have two-wheel drive, right? It's not all-wheel drive. You nope. were getting sideways. So the next day, I took out a Demon, and it was- Wait, wait, so you're not going to elaborate? Just hold, just hold on. Okay. I'm trying to get to my story. All right. So the next day, I took out a Demon, and the Demon's 840 horsepower. And this one was a customer's vehicle that was on 42s. Did you go like, ah, oh, weak? No. I was just at a 1,000 horsepower G. No, it's 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 undrivable at, at uh, you know, <laughs> we're at a stoplight and you literally go like maybe, it, look, it feels like my Jeep with uh, the Banks pedal monster on track 10, uh-huh. but all the time. <laughs> it's so immediate and violent and the whole thing slides sideways as you get into it. You can stomp it on the highway at highway speeds and it will roast 42 inch tires. Is it scary? No, it's just awesome. It's just glorious. And they do the whole chassis, so it handles really great stuff. So anyway, got the full uh, walkthrough from Jared on that, uh, and we got some audio clips. So maybe uh, next uh, episode or the one after, we'll we'll uh, we'll do that. So I'm that was excited to hear that, dude. It, it was way better. Like you think, oh, I've been in a lot of bespoke vehicles, like rebuilt. Like oh, we're we're a manufacturer. Uh, this is different. This is really good, and they feel like complete vehicles. Everything works. There's no lights. There's no issues. You just get in and drive it, and the supercharger scream and the visceral amount of power. And except you can do zero to 60 in like three seconds or less in like a 6,000 pound Jeep on 40 inch tires, except you're three feet off the ground when you're doing it. <laughs> so it just adds a completely different dimension to, to everything. And it's, it's silly. You just, you giggle, you laugh. You're like, I just can't believe the ridiculousness of this. And you know, one of the guys who took me out, Ethan, he's like, Dude, I want to take you down this road because I want you to take the off-ramp really fast so you can feel our chassis. And I'm like, dude, I'm on an unfamiliar vehicle with like two times the power of my own vehicle that I drive that's a customer's vehicle that is in an area that I'm not familiar with, on a road I'm not familiar with, and blah, 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 right? And I go, and it's $200,000. So, like, I'm not, I'm not going to go 10 tenths here. And he looks at me and goes, well, let's be honest, it's 240. <laughs> and the elephant was closer to three. Oh my god! So I was driving a quarter of a million dollar one-off Jeep, essentially, and it was it, the, the insanity. They go through and they bob the the Gladiators beds, and they put these big old tires and just like look like Hot Wheels, and they're so awesome. And the Gladiator, because of the longer wheelbase and what they've changed on the suspension, is pretty amazing. So anyway, the whole the whole experience over there was awesome. So I got some audio, I got some some sounds of engines starting up and us just driving around. All right, so that's not this episode. No. Though. All right, we're going to So while you were sadly, there, while you were there, I was in Sacramento hanging out with the guys at Stellar Built. Yep. And they're like the They're the Toyota Tacoma guys. Yeah, they're Tacoma guys and they're like not trophy trucks, but if you didn't tell me that they weren't trophy trucks, I would think they were trophy like trucks. Pre- pre-runners and stuff like that. They actually helped me uh, I worked with them and 74 Wealth for the Quinn uh, Tacoma portal build. Yes. So Dimitri over and there. And we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. So that Those was Those guys that was awesome. are awesome. And I have a yeah. lot of real, if you're into Toyotas, which I know a lot of you are, yeah. that'll be on an upcoming episode. Yep. So uh, yeah, we've got a, we got a ton of stuff. And, and we probably have 
two months worth of content because we've been both been so busy lately that we have we'll parcel out here in the next uh, uh, couple months. But I think this the stuff that we've gotten lately is like off the hook. And then there's so much other stuff. I went and drove a lifted Tesla, which was crazy. And, and then I had people r- were loving and hating on. Oh you. yeah, no, it was great. The uh, the reels I did a couple reels on my page which has like six thousand people. They're like. 80,000 uh, you know, views on the reels. And now Facebook's like, oh, your stuff's engaging. Be a part of this <laughs> creator program. Yeah, because right? you took a Tesla, lifted it, yeah. and off, went off-road. Yeah, and I'll tell you something funny. I won't name names, but um, they're like, hey, this other outlet uh, saw that, and they want it. And I said, I will never work with you again if you give it to them before my story comes out on the OVR website. And they said, oh, you're good. We got you. And that other outlet, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh huh, still on some of our show. I, 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 I was, I was told there were some people that were like, "How, how'd he get that? It's an EV." Ah, you know? I thought <laughs> when he left the company, he would never be no, talking no. trucks again. I'm not saying that it's oh. my previous employer at all. Oh, oh just a random, it. just random media publisher. group saw got my it. stuff out there. So. Got it. I went out with uh, Unplugged Performance. We, uh, we did this. Uh, Model Y with a two-inch lift and all-terrain tires, and we went, you know, farted around the desert for a day, and I was impressed. Like, listen, it's not a truck. But wait, wait, you said farted around the desert. Did yeah. you do the fart noise? Tell me, you did the fart noise? Oh, on the uh, the Tesla? Yes. Uh, no, on I, the dash, no. you can do a fart yeah, noise. Right. So anyway, <laughs> we were out messing around with it, and the person it's perfect for is like, if you're a Subaru Crosstrek owner, and you're like, I really wanted to get into BEV, the battery space, the full EV, but nobody makes anything. This Model Y all-wheel drive with a two-inch lift and all-terrain tires is really darn capable compared to like a Subaru Crosstrek, which in its own right, for what it is, can take you pretty deep off-road. I mean, you're not going to the Rubicon. Let's face it. Like people are like, that was just a dirt road. That berm was, not, and I'm like in the in on my reel in the in the description. I'm like, we were just playing around on a berm because I wanted to get a wheel in the air and see if the Tesla traction control was capable of driving through it, which and it, it was. was. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that's not even that hard. I could do that in my Accord. And you're like, no, you can't because you have front-wheel drive only. There's no all-wheel drive. So anyway, there's a lot of haters out there. And listen, I'm, we've talked about this before. I don't hate or dis- or dislike BV. I think there's a place for it. But if new stuff's coming out and it's cool, like we're going to go do stuff with it. Why Why would we stop ourselves? And from- I got to say, dude, it is really rad that the Truck Show podcast is being asked to do the same things that big media companies are being asked to do. That's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I know people. I'm just saying. I know people. You didn't lose any luster when you left uh, no. the trend. No, no. So, uh, and then uh, last week we were both over at uh, TMI. In Corona, California, they do the a lot of truck interiors, classic truck. That interiors. was impressive. Yeah, they had that uh, tour was very cool. Our buddy Ross uh, is the marketing guy over there, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Hey, we're doing this open house, and so I've been judging for their trim awards, which we did at SEMA last year on our show." Then he invited us out, and then we interviewed a bunch of classic uh, truck owners as well. So I think that'll probably be in our next episode. So the uh, bottom line is there is a ton of stuff going on, and a ton of content, and a lot of really neat stuff. But uh, to Lightning's point, this episode we're going to focus on uh, Matt Howell, who's from Howell EFI. And, uh, and Matt's going to walk us through uh, EFI on vintage vehicles, which I think is so really cool. if you're sick of that old carburetor twisting that little itty-bitty yeah. tiny screw to get the well, uh, idle right. Learn a little bit about EFI on this right. show and take that vintage ride, make it way more of a comfortable, reliable daily driver. And so I've been excited. We've been trying to get this one for a while. And uh, for, for you vintage guys out there, it's it's game-changing. He's going to tell you how his company came to get into that part of the industry and, uh, and why you should uh, go with Howell EFI. So. 
By the way, Holman, I don't think I ever told you that I was hanging out with Cody Sisson of the Trail Chasers podcast. Okay. He drives a super rad Nissan Frontier, like Mm -hmm. full overlanded, and I was really impressed. Like, and he is blowing past guys with a lot more expensive trucks. So we're going to have to have Cody on the show just to talk about his truck. I think it's... Yeah, we'd love uh, to. Yeah. And of course, we've got a uh, beautiful tie-in with Nissan. Of course, uh, they've been our presenting sponsor for the last, uh, oh, six years or so. And uh, that that's huge. Thank you. Six years. So if you're in the market for a uh, midsize or half-ton truck, you want to head on down to your local Nissan dealer, you can check out the Frontier. Check out the uh, Nissan Titan or the Titan XD. Of course, the uh, Titans come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And the Nissan Frontier is one heck of a reliable, perfectly sized, perfect amount of tech, honest pickup truck. I love those things. In fact, I was just talking to uh, my buddy Jared uh, from the old job who came to the party. And he said uh, he had taken out one of their uh, long-termers, which was an SV long bed 4x4, so not All the right. off-road package. And he's like, I forgot how much I love that truck. He goes, I spent time more in the Pro 4X, and I hadn't been in like the SV long bed, and I took it out to the desert just to you know with my dirt bike in the back. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'm driving down these dirt roads to get to where I want to go riding, and I'm thinking, do I even need a Pro 4X? I have everything mm. I need in this truck. He says... It's fuel efficient. Well, wait it's a minute. Powerful. We, we, we shouldn't be talking people out of the Pro 4X. No, no, no. But if you can't afford a Pro 4X, that <laughs> oh, doesn't mean you point. can't have off-road capability. Good point. And so we got him down the road. He's like, dude, great power, you know, uh, 310 horsepower from the V6 engine, the nine-speed automatic. He's like, it's as quiet as a Titan, which they're incredibly quiet, like great road trip machines. He goes, I had plenty of clearance, even with an SV, without the bigger tires and the skid plate stuff where I wasn't worried about, you know, where I needed to get to. And the truck was, he goes, it was just everything about that truck. I was thinking, what else do I need out of a pickup truck? You know, I saw the Titan that was in my driveway and, you know, we were talking trucks and I was just like, yeah. And it was great to know he had firsthand uh, experience, recent experience in a uh, trim that we don't talk about a lot. So Holman, I don't think you know this, but a couple weeks ago when I went to that pure 4x4 base camp event up in Big Bear, rented a bone stock midsize pickup truck and had people test drive the pedal monster, the Banks pedal monster. And... I, I, if I said that people were blown away, that would be an understatement. What would happen is they'd get in and say, oh, this is just like my pedal commander, but your pedal commander probably throws codes. And I'm like, yeah, it does, but I've gotten used to it, you know, check engine lights and such. And I said, does your pedal commander have reverse safety? What's reverse safety? I go, put it in reverse. And they would. And they go, well, it feels like it's stuck. I go, exactly. Pedal commander does not have that. Banks pedal monster does. Don't show up on qualified captain because you have your... While you're reversing the boat down the ramp, you have it in track 10. Like that's, Exactly. You know, it won't do that. What was the game changer, Holman, is when I showed guys speed trim. And they're like, what speed trim? I said, how often do you have to dial down your pedal commander or your sprint booster or whatever those other brands are? Every time you want to go around the city and you don't want it to be jerky or you're pulling a trailer. They're like, yeah, it's a pain in the butt. I said, the pedal monster has speed trim. If you set speed trim to high, it doesn't add any pedal sensitivity under 10 miles per hour. And they're like, wait, what? It's perfect for towing, snow, sand, rain. So if you like Sport 10, Track 2, but you don't want it every time you're leaving a stop sign or a green light, you can tell it to ease it in as you exceed 10 miles per hour. Go to bankspower.com, type in your year making model, and find the world's smartest and safest throttle controller. And last but not least, we got to talk about SDWheel.com. So SDWheel.com has the largest selection of in-stock wheels and tires, no matter what your build style is. They have got you covered. They'll mount and balance and ship 
your wheels and tires for free. You can skip the tire shop, save yourself hundreds of dollars and the hassle. You got to go to uh, sdwheel.com. They have all major brands of both wheels and tires, and on top of that, a ton of truck accessories. And when Holman says a lot of brands, I think all of them. It, I'm pretty it sure it might all be all of the them. brands. <laughs> and, and if it's not all of them, the ones they don't have, you don't care about. No, that's true. If it's time to upgrade your wheels and tires, it's time to visit SD Wheel. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with The Truck Show. We have the lifted. We have the lowered and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Show, the Truck Show, whoa, oh, oh. whoa. It's the Truck Show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Mr. Holman, are we ready to dial Mr. Matt Howell of Howell EFI? You ready now? How about now? <laughs> you can't nod your head and we can see that. Why do you need me to audibly say yes? Because that's my go-ahead to hit the button to dial. Oh. You'll hit the button. We just burned like 90 seconds right there. We're just waiting for you to I was just say nodding, something. But yeah, I don't like talking. <laughs> well, then this is a bad <laughs> job decision I for know. You. We, that's what we've been talking about it for six <laughs> years. You should seek alternate employment. Oh, I wish I could. All right. Here we go. Hello? Hey, hey, hey. Is this Mr. Matt Howell of Howell EFI? It's Lightning at Home and Truck Show Podcast. It, it is. Fantastic. Hey, before we can get on with the interview, we've got to ask you this question. Do you prefer blues or death metal? Uh, <laughs> you got to choose one. Uh, blues. Blues. Okay, here we go. You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. You're the innovator motorator. So, Mr. Matt Howell is the innovator moderator. I don't know if you could hear that over the phone or just a muffled mess, but uh, that's what it says. So, Matt, welcome to the show, Truck Show Podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So, we uh, we're talking about uh, EFI. So, uh, Howell's been around. This is your 35th anniversary, right? We're actually in our 35th year this year. Yes, we are. Wow. Congratulations. That is a, that's a feat that you're a, um, not owned by some giant investment firm, right? (laughs) Like, uh, because you're, wait, I got to make sure you're not only owned by the, uh, the Holly group or something, right? Who seems to buy everyone? No, No, but no, you're right. The, the industry has certainly been, I think there's a couple companies that have pretty much gobbled up everybody and we, we've stayed out of that fray to this point and, uh, don't really have any plans to sell. So we're, we're hoping that, uh, we can continue on. I've got a son who's going to be 18 in uh, late this year. So I'm hoping that another generation is going to want to continue it on. And, and we're able to. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, I, I worked for Motor Trend Group and Four Wheeler and all of those uh, magazines for 20 years. And I remember when I first started, you know, the, the Howell EFI ads and, and the Howell name. Going through the list of what you guys have now, it's, it's I'm amazed at all the applications that you're able to do, whether it's the 50 state legal stuff or some of the vintage stuff, Land Cruiser, GM TBI products, 
on and on and on. If you want to do an engine swap and you want to have EFI, you guys have people covered. Well, that's really how it started. My father was a uh, engineer at the at Chevrolet, and uh, the strange part is he really wasn't in the electronics, uh, you know, an electronic background. But he was in. He was actually in what was called the product promotion group at the time, and they got to do all the race stuff. They got to do all the cool things at GM, and this is before they even had the budgets they have now. But, but also at the tech center at the time, when the fuel injected stuff started showing up in the early to to mid '80s, GM was starting to put Corvette engines into Monzas, and they were doing all these these great swaps there at the tech center, and he had the opportunity to retire early, and I was about 21 at the time, and been entrepreneurial my whole life so he said you know really there might be a business to this guys are going to start putting these these fuel injected engines into everything you know I, that's a trend we kind of see and we decided to just you know make a go of it and uh originally started by just making a harness for the tune port corvette and camaro which was around 85 those came out and the throttle body truck engines and that was really the cornerstone of, you know, of what got us going. Guys wanted to take those motors and put them in different things. And, you know, they needed a harness, ran them with the GM computer, did some reprogramming, and um, they were off. So what is uh, what has changed with uh, EFI and the, the computers and all that over the years? You know, when you guys first started, there were a lot of people in the Jeep and off-road community, especially, maybe not as much as the hot rodders, but maybe, that were entrenched with the with carburation, and I'm never going to give up my carburetor. Yep. And then, if well, those, I those up, people are idiots, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well I, I think you've seen well. over time how EFI is has you know become the standard, and a lot of that has to do uh, with drivability and cold start performance and all of that kind of stuff. What's changed since you know the, the late '80s to now, and how you do things, and and as the industry's moved and become more complicated. Well, you get you guys are exactly right. I mean, we we would do trade shows. We would go to street shows, off road shows, and we'd set up a booth. We we'd have the stuff displayed, and the guys came by. Nine out of ten guys look at it and say, "I, I don't know anything. I don't want anything to do with electronics. Um, I know how to work on carburetors." But then we'd say, "Well, this is better than. Here's all the things this does better than a carburetor. This is actually easier to work on. You can use the diagnostics. You know, real world drivability." That went on forever. I mean, we thought, well, when is this really going to, I mean, take off? When is it? <laughs> you know, people, people were just, it, it was taking off. We just didn't, we just didn't know it at the time. But I mean, everybody that came up to the booth, you know, I don't want anything to do with wiring. I don't want anything to do with electronics. I don't understand any of that. Isn't so that funny, there, though? There was a big push. The, those folks well, are the, I was going to say, those folks are the same people on the internet today who don't like a post and tell you how much <laughs> they hate you. And you're like, well, either be a customer or don't be a customer. But those guys today are doing it on the internet. Back then, they would come by your booth and tell you how much they hate you and think your product sucks. And it, to me, I, it's like, why would you spend that much time in your life to go tear down somebody else's livelihood or pro You don't have to use it. Nobody's forcing you to. And it seems like there are people out there who just want to tell you their disdain for no reason. Well, yeah, it's the same group of guys that say uh, you're buying a set of nice AEV wheels for your Jeep. And they're like, why would you spend that kind of money when you can buy a set of methods for 30% less money or whatever, right? And you're like, well, wh why? You? Like, they're uh, like, it's my money. What's yeah. wrong with you? I, I can imagine the early days of being at the trade shows trying to convince people who already had made up in their mind that they weren't going to do business with you, but still felt the need to tell you that. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it was always interesting. Uh, and and the other thing we, we loved at shows was guys that came by and said, hey, I've, I've taken all this factory stuff. I've got myself in trouble. I've got to the point where I've got all these problems. I see that's what you guys do. But show me how to fix my mess I've got going at home in the garage. And they weren't necessarily interested in getting anything yet. But uh. <laughs> it, as long as you, as long as you're here, let me get some let me get some tech advice going. Uh, sure, so yeah. Would, give me fifteen hundred dollars, and I'll give you a box that has everything you need in it. You are talking <laughs> that's, about that's right. unfortunately a large portion of SEMA that shouldn't be attending SEMA. Now the the people that yep. actually work at shops, the mechanics, the shop owners that do write orders, those are the ones you want. But like all too often, their buddies, uncles, cousins brother comes in they're tire kickers and they're like yeah i got a ford blah 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 and i i got this issue and you're like oh dear how did you get in here please no like i'm trying to yeah. sell my product not one item to you i want to sell a pallet <laughs> right. i want to sell a pallet of our ford you know 460 conversion kits to a shop that's going to install them I, so i we feel your pain for sure the other big turning point for us really was like i say really what started the company was just strictly doing the transplant harnesses for GM based engines. You know, our, our big thing was unlike what the aftermarket does most of the time, the first thing they say is get rid of the factory computer because we're the aftermarket. We know we're going to make something better than GM did, uh, which is utterly impossible with the millions <laughs> of dollars yeah, R&D right. that they have in that. So one of our main cornerstones was all of our kits are going to be based on the GM controller we may have to manipulate the program, the chip, whatever, but it's going to be based on that. It's not, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. So that was true of all the transplant harnesses, still is today. But the other thing that happened was we had a guy, we were in Michigan, so we were close to the fact, we were close to the automakers. We knew some people that were surplus buyers, and a guy came by one time and said, GM, I think the ended production on the actual two-barrel throttle body is about 95 well, GM, in the old days, they not like now, they're much more efficient. They don't have a lot of extra stuff. But in the old days, they would literally have pallets of stuff left after a certain production run. We were buying new throttle bodies that would bet been on these 80s, late 80s to early 90 trucks, literally new ones on pallets, hundreds of them at a time from GM surplus purchasers, which really led us to do the kit. We then thought we can't. We can not only do a harness. We can offer the guy a harness, computer, throttle body, adapter plate, fuel pump, fuel filter, everything this guy needs to put this on a, you know, a Jeep, an old Chevy pickup, you know, anything that's carbureted, really, V8, V6, whatever. So that was really the next turning point for the company when we started doing that. You know, then the guys. It wasn't that they could come by and say, well, I'm not interested in that. But the whole Jeep community started to come by and say, look, I need that. I need it now. I've got this horrible Weber carburetor. I can't off-road with it. I can't can't keep it running. I can't go on any angles. I can't go up in the mountains. The thing is horrible. What's this going to do for me? And it basically cured all those ills. Those were kind so, of your early adopters, right, is because, you know, if you're on the street and you want drivability, well, for the most part, you could get drivability out of a, out of a carburetor. But there's also yep. there was really a need for the Jeep guy because of the in, you know the the high angles uh, whether it was a side slope or going up or downhill that would either flood or starve carburetors. There was altitude changes because these guys might live at the beach but go up to the mountains or the desert to go wheeling, and so you exactly. you provided uh, basically the key to the kingdom for them to really take those vehicles to the next level because 
outside of, you know, maybe a Quadrajet or a, a few that were known for being okay off-road, there was never really a truly great carburetor that, that worked in all situations for the off-road guy. No, and we really, another thing we did, was, which looking back was a little bit of a miscalculation, but we were kind of had that small block Chevy frame of mind. So we said, okay, we're getting calls from these 360 guys. We're going to do the 360. We're going to do the 401. That was the initial kits, not knowing that the, the 258 inline six guys were way, I mean, they outnumbered those guys 50 to one. So immediately we started getting calls at guys saying, why are you only doing the 401 and the 360? What about us? Yeah. You know, I, the carter on here, I, my Jeep doesn't runs like runs like hell. You know, why aren't you doing one for us? So I said, well, that's a good point. We should have should have probably done that first. That today to this day is our biggest seller. Uh, and of course, the next step when we got into those, then it was well, you can't sell these in California uh, without a carb. You know, carb sure. certification. And of course, everybody at the time said, there's no way that's ever going to, you know, you're not going to get through. But the whole key to that is going back to the, to the fact that we weren't an aftermarket company going to carb with a, with a programmable computer that the customer could manipulate. That, that was the key. We had a GM computer. We had a calibration that we, we had to be set, couldn't be changed. And we actually went through all the certification actually at Roush's laboratories here in Livonia, Michigan. That was really the key to getting that passed legitimately. Yeah, I mean, I think whereas if, I was gonna say, I think if you're a, a vintage Jeep guy and you want you don't want to do an engine swap, you like your engine, you guys are the the kind of the go to because whether it's a you know a, a CJ with a four point two, whether it's a YJ with a four point two. Whether it's a 360 or a 401 or a 304, all the way over to Wagoneers, SJs, things like that, you've got yep. those carb EOs across all of those Jeeps of that era for you know the main engines, the the six and the the few V8s that they had, and and that I think simplifies it because I think there's a lot of people that would be capable of adding EFI but aren't necessarily capable or don't want to go through the hassle of an engine swap and what to do with the old engine. Where am I going to store it? And right. I don't have the equipment in my garage and you can, you know, deliver absolutely fantastic drivability, both on road and off road by just, you know, EFI swapping and, and converting the engine that they have existing in their vehicle. And yeah. I think that's, what's great. And, and a lot of those people get freaked out about, well, what do I do if I've got to have my you know, Jeep smogged? Right. And there are other States that, what is it, 14, 17, whatever the number of states that do smog these things. And if you've got a CARB EO executive order, then you just hand them this document and say, look, it passed. And they send you right through the, you know, the 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 smog check. And yep, you're, it, yep. it, it is no easy feat to get a CARB EO. It, it's A, it's no. very expensive because you have to just, you have to pay the fees for the California Resource Board. And then you have to yep. pay for the testing, which, holy crap, that can be tens of thousands of dollars. And then it's a paperwork well, nightmare. Well, well, let me ask this. I would think that it would be easier to go from a carburetor to EFI to get an EO because you would think that it would be cleaner because you're metering the fuel better. Is that the case? Or what well, that's the pitfalls? That, yeah, that's – no, that's, that's really – that's really, you've, you've hit it right on the head there. And that's, that was really, 
I don't know that Carb always looks at it that way when you when you initially <laughs> sure. take it to him. But but you're exactly right. You're you're talking about a 1972 to 93. All of those years, all of those V6, V8, all those vehicles encompassed in there. The tailpipe numbers for them as a carbureted vehicle versus with our kit on it are, are night and day differences. So you've made a humongous improvement to, you know, what the what the emission output is. And you would think, you know, that would be a great argument. But like you say, the, the tough part is because most of the time as an aftermarket company, you're going in with a, you know, with a muffler or a air cleaner or, you know, an individual piece. Um, but a whole fuel injection system, that that's that was a whole different animal. Well, well it, make, it uh, makes me laugh a little bit because if you had a carburetor, you could change the jets, run that thing super rich and smoke out the whole neighborhood. But they're worried about somebody <laughs> messing with a computer on something that is probably the worst you could do with that computer if it was user, you know, um, programmable couldn't be any worse than the best day with a but, carbureted but, one, but the, right? I think the difference is it comes down to humans. Yeah, so there's sure. humans at at the well, at carb, and what they're yeah. thinking is, I, I'm just going to make this up. This is total bogus, right? But I, I think that they're they, there's nothing they can do about a carbureted system because it's old and it's out there and the guy drives it. They can't retroactively say no to those, right? But what they can say no to is you, the guy with the new electronics, and they don't, right. they don't want to give the user the ability to run rich and smoke and have knocks and all that stuff right so that's uh, it, something you pointed out was interesting is you had to lock down the tune and you couldn't give those keys to the end user like the tune is the tune right and that was what that that got approved by carb so that's congratulations well that's yeah that's exactly right and that's the, really the key to the whole thing and and basically the thing that helps that immensely is 99% of our customer base with all of those Jeep engines in that family 99% of those guys the motor is stock especially if they're in California I would say they haven't gone and changed the cam they haven't put headers on they haven't changed the intake they haven't made a number of changes where a fixed prom would be a real problem for them 90 like I say 99% of those are stock engines part of the certification process that we had to prove was okay here's the GM computer we're going to use Here's, I mean, they have the Cal on record. They have a number for that chip. They have, they have on record what that program is. And we can't, I mean, even if a guy calls up, he's bought our kit five years ago and he calls us up and says, Hey, I just put a set of Clifford headers on here. I put a Clifford intake. Give me a, give me a hot tune. I can't sell that guy a chip. I mean, you know, I, I'd love to, but uh, it's not legal because it's outside what actually went through the procedure. So when talking about the uh, the conversions on a carbureted engine to EFI, obviously emissions are going to be better, cold starts going to be better, hot weather performance is going to be better, off camber, side slopes, angles are going to be better. What can a user typically see from a fuel economy standpoint on one of these older engines? Well, that's the other thing that people are usually floored by, and we don't like to give them a huge number because a lot of times you don't have any idea what the state of the motor is. You don't know sure. if the timing chain hanging down to the ground. You don't know, <laughs> you know, if you, you don't really know if the guy puts it on and says, Hey, I really didn't see any, I, I, I didn't see what you told me I was going to get. Well, I have no idea what state your, your, your Jeep was in, but as a general rule, we see anywhere from, I would say two to five miles a gallon, and the guys are floored. Wow. I mean, they can't believe it. Well, I mean, if you're in uh, an old, you know, AMC 304 Jeep, 
say two, maybe three miles per gallon, you're probably doing what? Adding 15 to 20% more range on that vehicle. I mean, it's almost like having an auxiliary gas tank. (laughs) (laughs) And I think too, there are guys out there. They've messed around with them so long. They may have had a decent tune on their carburetor at this point. So maybe they don't see the five, they see the two, but there's other guys, you know, like I say, the carburetor could be so bad at that point. They put the fuel injection on and they, I mean, they can't believe what, what the change is. I mean, it's almost like falling um, in love with your vehicle all over again because it's a pleasure to drive. Yeah, exactly. So, I like I say, when we really got into the whole Jeep community, it was it, we were we were looking at it from entirely different. It, all of a sudden, we had a we had a group of people that they needed it. They didn't want it. It wasn't like the guy with a '68 truck who says, "Yeah, you know, I'd sure like to inject the 350 that's in it," but. You know, I drive it 10 times a year. don't think I'm going to do it. I mean, the Jeep guys, they needed it. They wanted it. And uh, that 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 helped tremendously. That, that They probably became your gateway customer, right? Because I think once you get them out in the world and they're talking about it, people want to have that same experience in their vehicle. Are, are, yep. you, are you seeing now, obviously you have, you know, wiring harnesses for LT1s, LT4s, Ecotechs. The you know the GM MPI TPI CPI engines um, Vortec the LS one six two three seven LSA LS nine all sorts of products, but are mm-hmm. you seeing on these EFI kits like of somebody maybe it's the secondary market it's somebody bought something used or maybe grandpa passed away and the grandson got the old carbureted Jeep, are they finding you is this this new generation of of automotive enthusiasts finding you and saying hey. You know, I love my grandpa's old Jeep. I grew up in it. You know, he let me steer while I was riding in his lap or something like that. And I, I don't want to mess with it, but I want to drive it and have the more drivability. It seems like your product would be the perfect thing for somebody who wants to just b- just barely bring that vehicle up to a, a modern standard, but don't want to take away from, from the, the magic that they remember or the nostalgia of that vehicle maybe in their youth. Yep. No, I think you're exactly right. And and I'm, I, I think, and my hope is that the, the younger generation, they seem to find us and they seem to find us through the internet. Uh, more so when we started out, it was all, you sit down to do your ad budget and it's all print, you know, how many magazines you're going to be in street right here, off road here, blah, blah, blah. Well, now working with the ad agencies, and I'm sure you guys know this, if, if you can have an online presence and you know, get some content there. And I think people go to the forums a lot. I think we're, I think we have favorable followings in the forums because we've been around so long and, you know, we actually have human beings that do tech support. We answer the phone. Wow. Are they based in America too? (laughs) (laughs) They're they're actually based in the good old USA. Wow. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) Why why are they not in India like everybody else is? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that all helps. I, I, I think, you know, it's it, as long as as long as we can can keep up with that. You know, I and I'm encouraged because some of the younger generation that you talk to at a show or you see some of the stuff they're doing, there's some talent out there. So does it warm your heart I, a little bit? I mean, I think ten years ago the the thing that everybody was saying is kids don't want to drive anymore. They're not used to this. They, they just they, want to get an electric yeah. pod and play video games on their iPhone. Right. Let the pod drive them around. It's got no steering wheel, and that's the future. Does it warm your heart a little bit to see that the enthusiast base is still out there and there's a next generation coming up behind the rest of us? It does. And uh, I'll give you a quick story. We had a we had a customer last week who I think he bought a Jeep kit from us and 
he bought, uh, it, well, it's actually a Jeep bodied, he's in Alaska, and they, they use this Jeep to haul mining equipment around in, the, in I mean, rural Alaska. And uh, this is a young guy. And they've converted all these mining, these, these vehicles they use to move the mines around to fuel injection just because the conditions are so horrible. They can't, the carburetors will not. I mean, they'll ice over. They'll, so he, he sent me a great email about the mining equipment. He'd done his own Jeep. And now him, they were doing a, doing a um, I think it was a, an old Chevy truck that had a crate motor in it to fuel injection. That's the kind of thing I kind of get a kick out of you know, the, the, the unique stuff that it's going into. Have you been surprised by other projects where a customer said, I want to uh, fuel inject X and you're like, really? <laughs> or, or something that was just a really cool vehicle that sticks in your mind other than the, the, uh, the mining stuff. Well, the last there's got to be Frankenstein yeah. vehicles. Well, I'll give you a good one. And it's not even a car. It's um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the duck boats they have in Boston. Yeah. Yes. I've been yeah. on one. Yeah. Okay. Well, all of those duck boats, we got a call. I don't know. This was 10, 15 years ago. We got a call from the guy that owns and operates most of those duck boats. And the guy said, these got antiquated GM and Ford big block engines in them. And they're killing me on gas. I mean, they're just killing. It's my livelihood. I own these. I tour them. You know, when the Patriots win the Super Bowl, the team's out on them. The Red Sox are out on them the whole night yards and he says if i could fuel inject all these what would i save so we ran some numbers on what we thought would happen and he changed all those boats to fuel injection our kits the guy i mean i think he's literally was saving hundreds of dollars a day after he did this and just wow over the over the moon so that was one of those projects that was just that kind of sticks in your mind was pretty cool you didn't wake up that morning thinking uh, thinking that you were going to uh, help the duck boat guy out uh, do uh, do tours in the bay right (laughs) Another one was that that's kind of unique that you, outside the car world, but I don't know if you've seen them, but a lot of the airports still use, they have these old Ford pickups that have the uh, the stairs that go up to the side of yeah, the plane. Yeah, of course, yeah. They're mostly older, say late 70s, early 80s. They're Ford engines in them. They're normally 300-inch inline sixes. Same kind of story there. These guys were in Chicago or they were here. You know, we had a rough winter. These things don't start. They don't run consistently. You know, could we fuel inject all of those? Sure. No problem. Same thing happened there. We actually worked through Southwest Airlines on that project and did quite a few of those vehicles because it was a matter of, do we throw them all out and make new stuff? No. Just make these run a little better. So that was kind of, that was another unique one that you kind of get a kick out of. I have an odd question for you. Do you have any inkling about how the OEs perceive you? Do they think, awesome, there's how is giving our engines a second life or do they think uh oh competition we're selling fewer new crate engines with that have fuel injection i know but i i mean we do know a lot of the oe guys um my dad coming from that that world uh his comment was always gm never wanted to get in the parts business you know that was their deal they really didn't pay attention a lot to the aftermarket. In fact, he ran this idea by him when he retired to see if they'd have any issue with someone doing transplant harnesses based on GM engines. They said, no, knock yourself out. We don't want anything to do with that. We don't, okay. we don't want to deal with the EPA. You know, just, nope, that is not in our wheelhouse. Go go have fun. So, um, But it's interesting that you say that because now with the crate motors that GM's doing, the harnesses that they do on their own, 
Uh, and in fact, we've built some of those harnesses for them, but I, I don't want that business. Uh, we actually built all of the, the crate motor. The crate motor, when the LS1 came out as a crate motor, we did all those harnesses for GM. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But that, and most people don't know that. They, and they wanted us to do a lot of the stuff that they have now, but it just, it, you know, working with GM is not, is not my idea of, of, of fun. They, they, <laughs> they have a, a lot different philosophy on what the pricing should be. And to sure. their credit, they don't take it overseas, but they, I mean, you can, you can tool up one year to work with GM and the next year it could be gone. Yeah. So, and then you spend all that investment it, with, and your ROI yeah. doesn't come back to you. So it's it's a little it's a little risky. Um, so we we've tried not to hang our hat on that, ever. You know we've been in some programs that have worked great for us with with General Motors. In fact, one of the programs we did um, back in the '90s, we did all of the Indy Light series harnesses. Oh, nice. Those were Buick engines, and that led into us doing all of the IRL cars when the big fight. I don't know if you guys follow open wheel racing, but. When the fight was going on between the open wheel series and the IRL forums, we did all of those when GM was in it as an Olds engine and then a Chevrolet engine. So that was a lot of fun, you know, doing doing that, uh, you know, motorsport stuff at that level was a whole other thing. But I guess long story short, I, I, I think GM's aware that we're still around. I, <laughs> I, I think they probably respect that we're, we're still around. And, and I know a lot of the guys over there. And, and I think they, they've been pretty aggressive on, you know, getting into the market themselves with the crate engines and the connected crews. And, um, but like anything, I, I think people are frustrated because they can't talk to somebody, you know, they get a crate motor from GM, they get everything they need and they can't really pick up the phone and talk to a technician. I, I think, and, and I don't know how they solved that, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're more of a competitor, I guess now to us than anything. Well, but they don't compete with you on customer service, and I think that's one of the places where, uh, you know, family-run business like you guys that that have a big customer base and and have the infrastructure to take care of people. I think that's where the the differentiation is between maybe somewhat similar products is the aftercare. I would imagine it's it's a lot better, you know, with you guys. I would agree. That's that's a big deal, and especially with what we've been through the last few years. I know. You know, and I'm sure you guys see it just dealing with vendors and dealing with, you know, just businesses in general. It's just it's it's a different world. So, you know, if our customers can still call up and have someone answer the phone, I think that's a pretty big deal. And you've got to do right by the customers in a way that you haven't had to maybe ever think back just 20 years where if you had a an issue with a product for your truck, what do you do? You call the company, you phone them. Maybe you got their number and maybe they don't pick up. So then what is your recourse? Or maybe they don't give the answer or they don't give you a refund. Or now whatever. they just go straight to the internet. Well, 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 and, that's what I'm getting. But wait, MF you. what would they do? You would write yep. a letter. You literally, you would write an angry worded letter and you'd send it to them. And of course it goes in the circular file and you're screwed. You just can't do anything. Now you don't even call them anymore. You just blast them on the internet. You don't even give them benefit of the doubt no. that the company's going to help you. You just squ- eviscerate them on the biggest, you know, online forum you can find or Facebook group. Yep. And so, but yep. if, if you're there and you're engaging with them and you have a staff to, usually what I see will happen is something like, hey, I have a problem with X product. Someone in the groups will say, did you call them? Because they're very helpful. And the guy will be like, oh, no, I didn't think to call them. And the people <laughs> are like, you're an idiot. Call them because they have a great customer service staff, which you do. 
Well, I think you've hit it on the head. I mean, it, it, it certainly, it, it, if you're, it, you're right. If you, if you do them wrong, uh, it's straight to the, <laughs> the biggest megaphone out there. But, you know, like I say, we, we have, in fact, the person who's mentioned in some uh, uh, literature, you probably got Troy Brown, our tech guy. He's been with us for 31, I think of the 35 years of our company existence. Wow. So, and if you call up your for the tech issue, you're going to most likely get him. He spends most of his day on the phone. He does all of our programming. Or if you don't get him, I've got guys that will get on the phone that build the harnesses. I mean, you'll talk right to somebody that's built the harness. You know, I, I think that's pretty unique. Now, wait a minute. Uh, this, hold on. This is coming as a big disappointment. I thought you were making everything in uh, in China. Damn it! Everything's made in the U.S. Yeah, Lightning's a big China guy. He's really into Chinese-made products and and racing to the bottom. If there's anything, no, yeah, it's yeah. a funny way of complimenting you. But uh, you're making everything here, which is awesome. So, we're we're making everything here, and um, and you mentioned earlier, and I don't, and I'll, I'll weigh in on this because I don't think what's happening in the aftermarket is necessarily a good thing with the with the Edelbrock on the one side or the. The two, the two companies that basically own everything now, and I think that's strictly being driven off venture capital. And, 100%. Um, I, the, the, the scuttlebutt that we're hearing daily, I mean, from people is is not good, is is not good. And I sell to these companies, and I've seen, you know, I, I've seen people that I worked with for 20, 30 years that are no longer there, and people that are there uh, now that they've been – the brands smashed into this huge group. Yeah, the, the brands know. don't carry the same weight. I, I we've you know I've been doing this in this industry for twenty five years. I was in media for you know the last twenty plus, and a lot of my friends who were really the heart and soul of all these brands, they got bought up. They moved the company. They laid off the people that were the heart and soul, and the people that you relied on. The same people that you knew for the last twenty five years who were in a certain role that you had a relationship with were dependable and and really carried that torch just just tossed out and i think there's a there's a couple of vcs that are out there that have that have definitely done okay by the brands that they've acquired and there's some that have absolutely decimated and the names are hollow now and and i'll let the the listener decide who that might be but the reality is is it has not been good for the the industry consolidation has not helped anything and it definitely hasn't driven innovation so i i have a question speaking of that like you were talking about edelbrock and holly buying up everyone and others in the end yeah and others and the investment firms will come in consolidate everything group it together and in some cases move a lot of the companies to a certain area where they can just share workforces or they're closer together for economies of scale but then mm-hmm. they package those so they can sell them off again and maybe again because it's all because there's no reason to hold on to them, right? You want to package them and have a big sale. But where do they end up? Like where does it if, – if you're one of those brands that's in that fold, like where are you in 30 years? Is it still around or have you been sold to a – Chinese conglomerate, like I don't even know what what's the well, long I mean, the, tail of the this? reality is is the VCs are getting into it for a profit in a short term. So at some point, the economy is either going to tank and they're going to cut their losses and spin these companies out, or it's going to do well and then they're going to sell it to somebody else who's going to take them on. But they'll never be what they were in, in no. what we experienced in the '90s and the 2000s and in the last 10 years. So just all of that, it seems to be going away. 
And it's a little bit sad to see, which is why we love having conversations with companies like you, family businesses who have the staying power, who are are fiercely independent. You know, one of them that comes to mind is our friends over at Skyjacker Suspension. You know, the McCurries are on their uh, what uh, third generation of family working there, and they're the last big suspension company standing. Everybody else has been bought out, and it's just you. Yeah. You look at that and and there's a lot of respect for the people who 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 do it because yeah, it's their living, but they do it because they love what they do and they can't imagine their company being in the hands of somebody else. Something they built that has their well, name on it. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've hit it on the head. So that's the way I look at it. And uh and yeah, I've kind of been watching this whole thing from afar too and uh yeah, it's sad because uh it's the way of the world right now, I guess, but it is, it is a little frightening. Like you say, what, what's the landscape going to be in 20 years? What's it going to be in 10? 10, sure. For that matter. Well, I was, I, you know, you had brought something up a, a while back in our conversation about, you know, supply chain and, and getting the pieces. What's it like to get the, you know, are you still using GM computers and, it, you know, some of, is it some of that older tech or have you had to evolve with that? What's that like? Cause it seems to me like some of that technology is, is, you know, older technology now, is it still relevant today for what you're doing? Yeah, you're right. Because a lot of the, and that's really been a, a, a quite a balancing act. I would say um, I benefit from, from being at this for 35 years. Cause like, you know, not to pat yourself on the back, but I, if somebody, if somebody came in and they had to find out where to get all the stuff that we have, or we continue to need to get, if they had to figure that out, boy, that would, that would be a hard go. Luckily, on the computer end of things, even for 80s and 90s era computers, there are big remanufacturing outlets that still do those because they're still sold into the O'Reilly's and the Napa's and the of the world. So uh, those are still out there. Believe it or not, the weird things that you run into is the the chips. You know, the chips get old enough that um, you need to find somewhere to get those. And the chip holders, you know, the plastic piece that holds the chip in the computer, believe it or not weird stuff like that but generally the rest of the sensors are still available you know the map sensors the coolant sensors we use an aftermarket fuel pump those are still out there i don't want to break any bad news to you but whoever's in charge of your website underpriced everything (laughs) (laughs) for what you get your prices are too low for everything i know about howell efi you're getting way more than you're paying for. And you're talking about on the 50 state legal kits, for example, I'm between saying, 1500 and 1600 bucks. I'm saying that everything. Matt needs to police his web guy because the stuff's priced too low. I know. It's amazing what you get for the price. <laughs> I, I, honestly, when we yeah, well, uh, were researching the show, I was like, wow, that's, that is really reasonable. You're, you are significantly changing the way your, your Jeep or your truck or your hot rod, your hot rod drives. Like it is the probably the biggest transformation that you can do to your vehicle, and it's only going to cost you sixteen hundred bucks. What? Yeah. Well, you've got a point there, and and believe me, that's looked at. Uh, that's looked at a lot. I was so, I was kidding with yeah. you. I, I no, mean, I mean, it, I'm he's just actually going to add a, a code to the uh, the website, so when you buy something, it's twenty percent more. Yeah. <laughs> As he well, should. It, but 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 I'm I'm serious though. It is looked at because one of the other fallouts from all this 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 changing of the world as a whole is i mean as you guys know everything's up i mean yeah. everything's up from your, from your parts to every terminal every seal every connector your paper that you use i mean just everything so 
you know, we, we have tried to toe the line, but uh, there is some changes coming to certain things. But uh, we've, we've tried to toe the line where we can. So the word to the wise, go to HowellEFI.com and buy your conversion kit now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or, or go there to see all the products that uh, are conversion products that you might need for something or products that you didn't know you needed that they have. And really easy to navigate the site. You guys have videos and tech and news. Um, you've got your support, obviously all the normal things, installation manuals online and frequently asked questions. Look at that, a contact where when uh, when you click on the contact, it actually has a phone number no, and an actual address. No, it doesn't have a number. That's just a bunch of X. Ex- <gasps> it's an 810 it's- number. Damn, that's a real phone number. You can call it. <laughs> that is, you are not a uh, a tech company up in San Francisco that, uh, yeah, that has the a- AI answering the uh, the line. It's the craziest thing. Nope, it drives nope, me, nope. M- dude, Matt, it drives me up a wall when you try to call any, you, there, no number on the website. I'm like, just fill out the form. I'm like, you can't scrimp on humans. You just... No. You, no. Oh. Well, there it is. Howl has humans. Is that their new feature yes. logo? Yes. That's it. That's the 30th, 35th anniversary logo <laughs> change or uh, uh, slogan changes. Howl has humans. Yeah, it's going to be a patch. We on have knowledgeable humans. Yeah. You, you know, actually, what it should be is Howl has humans and then parentheses and also EFI. And also EFI. Yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, you know, one, one thing I forgot. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. What does it take to install one of these kits? Is it a two-day affair? Can I do it in my garage? Is it three hours, 10 hours? Just well, generally. Well, for you or an average uh, customer? I'm actually pretty handy, uh, despite <laughs> what Holman says. This is lightning speaking. So uh, it could, can I do this well, in my garage with hand tools? Yeah. Generally, generally, we tell the average customer, and I always say, guy of average mechanical skills. That's the key phrase, I guess. It's 10 to 12 hours. I mean, on a good weekend, you can put this in. The biggest challenge is probably the guy who says, well, I can't weld. I can't put the O2 uh, bung in the exhaust. Well, any muffler shop can do that for you. But there's probably more time in putting the fuel pump and plumbing the fuel pump than actually putting the kit on. It's it's pretty quick. And if you take it to a shop, I've heard they can do them in you know, five to eight hours. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, okay. w- one day to have that kind of transformation, there's very few products on the market that will do that. That, that'll have that much of a difference in one day. Is this the biggest yep. no-brainer in the history of no-brainers? I just yep. stole a phrase from someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this is this is phenomenal. I, I know a lot of our guys that have swaps, and they've been, they've been toiling over this. Like, I need to get rid of the carb. I just can't well, stand it Well, I have a 1942 Ford GPW with a uh, Buick 225 odd fire in it, mm-hmm. and they have a kit for that. They do? They do. What? Yep. 225 and a 231. Well, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something about that. Yeah. I'll, there's, a little, there's a little nugget to that, even. We came out with something new for that kit that you just mentioned. Okay. Um, because uh, we've been doing that kit for many, many years. It's an odd fire engine. Yep. Uh, we originally said, no, I, you know, I don't think the way our kit works, it would work great on odd fired engines. And we had a couple of customers that, that just said rubbish, you know, no, that's not true. Give me one. I'll <laughs> to hell with work. you. I'll make it work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we had guys that were just adamant. I want it. And I want it now. So we said, okay, we'll, 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 we'll R and D it with you. Be happy to. So we did it and, and we've sold them for years, but we, we had a guy recently and they, they've run good, but they haven't run as well as our even-fired 
engines. Let's put it that way. So Troy, our programmer, he said, I had a guy the other day call me. He put a cam sensor on his and run it off the cam sensor rather than just it. We have what's called a tack filter in our harness. It right. Yeah. Cause the, the way the odd fire works is the signal's different. And so there's some complication right. on that versus when they went to the later even fire of the same engine. Yep. So the signal was a little different. So we always knew, okay, we're giving up a little compromising a little on these, but really they've run so much better than what the guys had. You know, we're, we, we haven't really had time to fine tune it, but long story short, the guy called us up, said, hey, I did one the cam sensor. All it involves is making a bracket, run a Corvette cam sensor on this thing, runs like a top. We just finished. We actually prototyped the bracket with another guy who wanted it done with the, with the cam sensor. That is about to be released literally in days uh, where we'll give the guys, well, I don't think we'll even give them an option anymore, but it will be one of our only kits operating with a cam sensor for the odd fire engine. Well, I, and, I may uh, be, uh, I may be yep, circling back because I may be a customer on this. I, I've uh, got... Address one to Mr. Sean Holman <laughs> in Huntington Beach, California. Well, He'll <laughs> happily take one. In, in all seriousness, my uh, so this is my, my old uh, GPW that I got from my uncle, and it was the first four-wheel drive vehicle I ever drove when I was like 14 or 15 out at his ranch. I've got a picture of him and I working on it when I was like 11 or 12. And a, wow. few, a few years ago, it was his ranch Jeep, and it is roached as ranch Jeeps are, and it's at the fab shop right now getting some metal work and some things fixed on it, but it, it runs like crap with the carburetor, and I've often thought, man, I'd sure like to EFI this thing, but full circle, I, I worked at Four Wheeler and, and Motor Trend. I was over at Motor Trend Group for you know, 20 years. The sentimental value of this particular, I've, I had a 51 CJ3A that I loved, and I had to sell at one point. I always wanted to get a flat fender again. And one day my uncle said, hey, you know, it's harder for me to get in it. If you want to come up to the ranch, come pick it up. You can have it. I went, hell yes. And we pulled it out of the container. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a little more work than I had anticipated. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing's probably worth $1,500, $2,000, you know, in the condition wearing, you know, 400 pounds of Bondo and every, you know, all the ranch, you know, stick welding and all that. And I probably put five or six grand into it. And it's not even close to being where it needs to be. But. I love it, and it's again, you know, uh, ending up in a career in off road and 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 jeeps and all that. Um, this one's special, so I, I want to keep it. And uh, so at some point, I, I'd been but looking. You, at, you need to do this because you're going to go on that long expedition with it. So one and of the things, God forbid, the carb gets clogged. So, so one of the things we had talked about is there's a trail here in California that is very popular. That's 180 miles long, and I want and I've got a lot of friends from the magazine world like. Vern Simons and Christian Hazel and Trent McGee and Payway and all those guys, uh, David Freiberger, we all own flat fenders. And so okay. I want to do a flat fender run, but it's going to have to be reliable and, and run. <laughs> so I, I may be a customer of yours on this because this is something that well, now I'm even more intrigued. It's, it's interesting you say that because your story is very common to what we hear all the time. In fact, I don't think we were paying a whole, that whole community enough attention. It was another one of those situations where the guy started calling and said, yeah, that's fine. 258, you know, whatever. You guys got that covered. Start doing them for us. And I had no idea that there was that number of those era of Jeeps still out there. Oh, there's a but, ton of uh, them, and they all have odd fire they're, swaps because it's, it's perfect. And if you ask some of the guys like a Christian Hazel, Rick Payway, 
you know, you know, Hazel will tell you out of every swap there is, and that includes a, a TBI 4.3 Vortec or in some of the four cylinders like the little Volkswagen turbo diesel or some of the other things that people swap in that. He's like, my favorite of all time is still a 225 odd fire. It's just perfect for that. It's not, you know, people put 350s in those things. What, why? Way too much power. No, but what does he like about it? Yeah. A lot of low yeah. end torque. Ah. Real, real drivable. Once you get them running, they're reliable. It just fits the engine compartment, the cooling. You can use the the factory flathead cooling on it and all that. And it's it, you're not shoving all this stuff in this tiny engine compartment. Just everything So packaging fits. overall is the win. It, it's just, it, and it bolts up to the factory manual transmission and, and it just works. And so I call this the odd Ford because it looks like a Jeep, but it's actually a Ford GPW and it's got an odd fire. So the license plate on it's odd Ford. And there's some of that magic because my uncle did a bunch of this stuff in the 70s where it has a lot of the mods on it are 70s mods, whether it's like a Rancho over, or the Warren, really, Warren Overdrive, the 225 swap, which I actually have the original receipt that he had it done at the shop with every part and piece that's on there uh, in, a, in a file that I got. And there's just a bunch of funky like 70s stuff, and I want to keep that vibe, so I don't want to take that engine out. It, it needs to have that engine in it, but it needed to be a little bit more reliable so I can drive it on a Sunday and and – uh, you know, I've got a, a, a social club that I belong to that they do car shows, and this thing is so ranch fresh and crusty. I just want to drive <laughs> it in because everybody's you, you're going to have a hundred thousand dollar resto and this pile of rusty flat fender Jeep, and I guarantee you everybody's going to flock around the Jeep and want to want to spend time with it. So, uh, oh yeah. Anyway, well, keep us in mind. It's it's the new improved version, so it's I, it, it's it, awesome. It, it will be available. All right, fantastic. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your time, and uh, I, you know this is uh, this has been fun. I love again. We love talking to family businesses that are dedicated to the enthusiasts and and still top of their game. Things have changed, and you guys are still have a great business and you know great customer service. So anybody out there who has any of those vehicles, head over to uh, HowellEFI.com because uh, there's a tremendous amount of information product that you can use to uh, do EFI swaps or engine swaps in your vintage vehicle. Well, it's been great talking to uh, Sean and Jay. Both of you guys have been a blast. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Thank you, Matt, so much. All right. Thank All you, guys. We'll right. talk to you Have soon. a good night. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye now. As if Matt Howell's information wasn't valuable news, we got a whole lot more of it right here. What's, What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! No. no you, uh, damn, that was yeah, me. That I was lagged. You, you totally, that was all me. Bad. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Bad, bad, bad. <sighs> hey, Lighting, did you hear? I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. I don't think so. Uh, there's rumors that the uh, next generation or mid-cycle refresh of the Ram 1500 is uh, confirmed for Q1 launch of next year, and we may see it. Uh, later this year, November, at the L.A. Auto Show. Ooh. So uh, be interesting to see. And, of course, that's the one that uh, eschews the Hemi and moves right into the straight six. Ooh. No, there's no boo. It's yeah. a twin-turbo straight six that makes 550 I mean, horsepower. We want a big, burly V8. Well, I mean, we do want that also, but if I had to have my big, burly V8 rip from my clutches, mm-hmm. this is a pretty damn nice setup to, it is. Uh, to replace it. Are you so. going to report on uh, Mercedes-Benz, who uh, had egg on their face and said, hey, by the way, no more V8s for any of you AMG customers. And everyone said, no, well, more, we'll, no more of our green money to you, sir. Right. And so they said, 
Boop. Sorry about that. We'll be releasing a new V8 in a GT. 550 horsepower. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, go figure. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! God, no! No, I don't think so. Uh, the Jeep Gladiator Eco Diesel is going bye-bye officially. Oh, yeah. I heard that. Yes. And just uh, 1,000 units of the last edition, the Far Out Limited Edition, will be made for 2023. Uh, if you remember, Jeep had the Far Out concept, which was a overlanding build. They debuted several years ago at Easter Jeep Safari. And so this uh, Far Out edition uh, just kind of harkens back to that a little bit. Uh, it's pretty cool. Again, only 1,000 units. Of course, 260 horsepower, 442 pound-feet of torque. So nothing special there. But you get a diesel 3.0 hood graphic. You get a exclusive tailgate badging, 17-inch black polished aluminum wheels, 33-inch mud drain tires, steel front bumper, steel rear bumper, um, and, of course, this will be a, uh, a Rubicon. So uh, with all Rubicons, you get the heavy-duty Dana 44s, uh, two-speed transfer case, four-to-one gear ratio. Other features include a Mopar spray and bed liner from the factory, black leather seats with red accents, black leather wrapped dash panels with red stitching, all-weather floor mats, body-colored fender flares, and black fender decals. All this for a starting price of... Yeah. seventy-one seven ninety. Ouch. Well, you, you want it one last time. Uh, you're going you're gonna to pay I for it. I wonder. So It I, really I, is the perfect uh, powertrain for that for that truck. I think you and I are both on the same Facebook group, the mm-hmm. uh, JL and JT Eco Diesel Owners mm-hmm. Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And there's some mixed emotions about this, yeah, I think. There, there are. are guys like, you got to get the last one. And other guys are like, uh, no, I don't want the last of anything. Right? Uh, the just... last of anything is the best. For sure. Except the Mohicans. Well, okay. The last of any cars uh, is, is the best. Uh, anyway, the uh, the Eco Diesel has been around in the Gladiator since uh, twenty one, uh, and uh, you know, get fuel economies uh, about twenty four miles per gallon. I think people are really excited about the fuel economy; they love it. Although it's been a little bit of uh, uh, problematic for those who push their vehicles to the limit, uh, because there is quite a bunch of uh, conversations of lifted ones or heavier ones going d- into D rate, especially at high altitude and high temperatures, and so it's like the the, the mixed emotions. If you don't go into the situation where D-rates, it's an amazing vehicle. If you go on a cross-country trip and you can only go 50 miles an hour up uh, I-70, it kind of sucks. sucks. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'll still miss it. I think uh, it was a great powertrain and uh, loved it in the Grand Cherokee and the Rams I've had it in in the past. And I think with the uh, the options that are available for the Gladiator, that was uh, creme de la creme, especially since you cannot get a V8 with a Gladiator. So that was nice. So you know what you need to do? Buy that uh, Gladiator uh-huh. with the diesel. Uh-huh. And you order yourself up a bank stairager. Shameless plug. I would order myself up some additional cooling capacity, too. Unfortunately, the engine compartment is so tight, creates so much heat. And there's a whole, on those on the uh, forums and on the Facebook groups, there's the whole thread of, like, engineering-minded people figuring out what they can do to shove more airflow in there and cool that sucker off. Um, and uh, there's even a Bulletproof Diesel, our friends out there in Arizona. Yeah. They have a cooler set up for the plastic bumper version. Unfortunately... Their cooler, uh, oil cooler, which is awesome, intrudes in the same space as the winch plate if you have the steel bumper. Oh, so that's not only works work. for you plastic uh, bumper people. Which you know, it's nice to have options, but it would be nice the for somebody to figure out a little extra cooling capacity yeah. under those bad boys. So, uh, hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, no, no. No, I don't think so. If you were not fans of the uh, Ford Bronco Raptor and its massive rubber-made uh, plastic trash can fenders, uh-huh. uh huh, for 2024. Painted fender flares are uh, an option. Finally. Seriously. And our microphones were actually in the engineering office 
when they released the first go-round. Okay, explain to me exactly what I did wrong. Yeah, you should have released painted fender flares the first go-round. Uh, they're still hideously giant, but uh, I'd rather have them painted than looking like the... Uh, the same vessels that take my trash out on a weekly basis. Um, you, <laughs> also get, you also have the ability to spec out the Code Orange package. Code Orange comes with the uh, orange tow hooks, beadlock rings for the wheels, and a big checkered graphics that actually reaches up into the rear window, which is... Uh, Odd. Mm, spicy. Uh, and you can get it uh, in any color except hot pepper red because apparently that is too much of uh, an OCD mind F for people. <laughs> so... Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, didn't. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Pepsi is the very first company in America uh, to run a all-electric uh, semi-fleet, and they've got 21 Tesla semi-trucks out of Sacramento. And uh, they said, so far, the electric trucks run about 12 hours a day, delivering uh, Pepsi and Pepsi products in basically a 100-mile radius. And apparently they have a contract with Tesla, so they can't, uh, disclose everything. I think this is a test fleet. And they said, oh, we'll give it to you, but you can't be really talking about it and you can't make mm. us look bad. But they did uh, They did put out a little, a few little more nuggets about uh, Tesla semi-ownership, uh, um, which is kind of interesting. In addition to the short-range, 100-mile radius travel, which uh, the Pepsi uh, uh, Transformation and Strategy Director says... Uh, <laughs> Transformation and strategy director? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Just making up names. They said that the, it's a perfect use of EVs in that space. It's, it's, I agree. They said it's advantageous. Obviously, there's not a lot of uh, steady state speed. There's a lot of stop and go where EV makes a whole lot of sense. But they also said that three of the 21 semis are used out of the Sacramento facility, and they do uh, long-haul routes with them, which range from 250 to 450 miles. So, you know, Tesla's got some mega chargers that enable that. But they said the semi can go from uh, 5 to 10% to 95% state of charge in about 20 to 30 minutes with the Tesla mega charger. That's so, not bad. No. So it's interesting. Uh, as, as more information and more miles get put on the fleet, it'll be interesting to see what they think and if it's a viable uh, a platform uh, moving forward. Yeah. My question is, how's Coca-Cola going to clap back? Like, what are they going to do? Yeah, we have solar big rigs. Spaceships. Yeah. Because uh, Coke ain't going to sit for this. Transporters. Right. They're just going to be like, I want it to Coke. <laughs> and it just materializes in your hand. But it's going to require like a really expensive like USB cable with a disc on it that plugs in on your desk. And mm. then and it's be really expensive. It'll be like $100 soda that gets beamed to you. Mm-hmm. You've thought Anywhere about in this. the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, I'm sitting there and I'm thirsty some days. And I'm wondering how can I get a soda with minimal effort uh-huh. right now. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. Uh, Rivian. Recently took the R1S, the SUV version of the R1T, over the Rubicon Trail, being the first production EV to accomplish this. That's pretty cool. I was wondering when that was going to happen. A totally stock quad motor R1S. So that is pretty cool because if you know, the Rubicon is no joke. Not as bad as it used to be, but it's still a proving ground. There's there's reason that uh, it it uh, is on the hood of Jeeps. And If I wanted to go playground. with someone, what would I do? Like, how would I go about it? I don't want to drive. I want to experience the trip. But I want a co-pilot. I would call uh, uh, our friend uh, Pierce uh, Umloff over at Jeep Jamboree USA and see if you can hook up with him or uh, some of his guys. Okay. And they'll, uh, they, they, uh, they know that trail like the, uh, the back of their hand. Rivian came out and said, it's the first production electric vehicle that's done it. One of the toughest off-road trails in the world. And I feel kinship to this because you'll remember I was the first person to drive a fully electric vehicle down Black Bear Pass in Telluride, Colorado. So. Right, which was a hair-raising experience from what I recall. No, it was awesome. It wasn't what? crazy, no. 
a hair raising experience. Yeah. Well, I, so, well, Black Bear Pass is a hair raising experience anyway. Right. But it was it was fine in the truck. There's a little bit of nuance to it, but it it performed admirably. Didn't, in fact, wasn't, we, wasn't I, your chase truck a TRX? Yeah, and it barely fit on the trail. Uh, there was like an eighth, uh, an eighth of an inch between <laughs> the rock wall and then falling off the other side. Yes, but but there's no drama. It fit. Okay, it fit. Put a little that's what mayonnaise said. on it, and uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Anyway, they said on. it took about eight <laughs> hours to drive the R1S over the 12 mile stretch, which is pretty good. Uh, obviously, boulders and rockiness. Uh, it's got how much 34 artic- inch tires from the factory. Yeah, but, 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 pause, pause, pause. How much articulation? I thought I don't, you needed a Jeep. I don't want to pause because you will take us in a direction we don't have time for. Go ahead. It has articulation. You know it has four-core independent I, suspension, I, I, right? I, I know that. Okay. But so, I thought you had to be like a crazy Jeep with a straight axle to do it well. I mean, there's plenty of Toyota guys out there. A lot of Toyota buggies and crawlers and all sorts of stuff. All right. It's all about driving, dude. Got it. Did you take your TRX out there? Uh, would I? Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I was just curious if you thought you were going to be ballsy enough to, to nah, say that you I would. Wouldn't. So, Anyway, so uh, the R1S used about 75% of their battery power to complete the challenge. So um, Rivian says it was the equivalent of three gallons of gasoline, though, which uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. BS. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's there's a, there's a little spin going on out there. But uh, it's great to see uh, the vehicle do it, and it shows that you know these electric vehicles are capable and just like the Tesla I took off road last week, uh, with uh, you know motors that can control the wheels, you can have some really amazing traction control opportunities, especially on the Rivian because it's a four motor EV. So yeah, you can get on top of wheel, a rock and do a pirouette. Every wheel has its own, uh, basically its own version because you can virtually lock the wheels together. You can have one wheel do something and all the rest do nothing. You can have one side go forward, one side goes backwards to spin. I mean, just there's so much stuff you can do. Uh, I'm excited from that standpoint to see the technology in off-roading because it's uh, it's pretty cool. So. Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No. Mm-mm. According to the Drive, the 2023 Ford Super Duty with the high-output 6.7-liter diesel. Which is one of my favorite on the road today. F-350. Yes. Crew cab. Uh-huh. Short box. Tell me more. 4x4. Four four. Yes. Well, according to uh, Car Driver and uh, via an article on The Drive, the 2023 Ford Super Duty F-350 Crew Cab Short Box High Output 6.7 Liter Diesel. Yep. Hits uh, 60 miles per hour in... Can I guess? In 5.1 seconds. 5.5 seconds, making it the quickest factory diesel pickup ever, according to Car Driver. Did I tell you? Did I, I tell you? You said it was fast. Damn. Damn. Lightning is valid. Day 10. Boo! <laughs> yeah, but you were like claiming it's as fast as your TRX. I'm t- the six. It's, it's, the it's six not, eighty felt like it. It's not again. I said felt. I, I, I said that a I lot. Know. Well, this is instrumented testing, so it's right in the neighborhood. Good job it's for them. Throwing rocks at their neighbor, Robbie Joiner. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> no one got that. <laughs> no, that's not true. People got that. Oh, there's a couple. Old there are fans. there are people who <laughs> absolutely got it. Anyway. Considering that vehicle is over Do you eight- know we talked to Robbie Joyner one time on the show? I heard that, actually. Oh, you heard no, that interview? I, I did. The, the morning show that I used to work for, Kevin and Bean, Kevin grew up in Arizona. When he was a kid, he used to actually throw rocks over his wall at the other kid, and uh, his name was Robbie Joyner. So every time someone did something spectacular, like, uh, first woman in space, they would say, Kevin, did you go to space? And yeah, so no. 
Uh, no, I was throwing rocks <laughs> at my Ro- neighbor, at my Robbie. neighbor Robbie Joyner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anyway. Uh, all right, so the, the previous vehicle that had that crown was the 2020 F-250, which itself did it in 6.1 seconds, but 5.5 seconds for something that has a curb wave over 8,000 pounds is uh, pretty, uh, pretty gnarly. 1,200 pound-feet of torque off the showroom floor. So check this out. Uh, what do you think the quarter-mile time was? I think it did a... Th- By the way, a full 150 pound-feet more than the normal 6.7. Yeah. I think it did a, uh, a, a like a 13.8. That's earthquake alert. Ventura, sometimes when they do that, oh, you, you can feel it. it. So it's 5.6. We probably won't feel it here. But anyway, That's every once in a while they'll do that, and you're like, wait for feel, it. Yeah. I remember one time I was watching on Caltech, and they had the early warning system, and it showed the wave, and it showed where they you were. felt it? And it, on TV, it started going, and then oh, I wow. felt it, and I was watching it live on TV. That's creepy. Anyway. That's it right there. Look. Look at my mic. Oh, yeah. Look. Yep. Earthquake. On the air. Whoa. Dude. Guys. Guys. We're having an earthquake. We just had an earthquake right now in the studio. Our mics just started moving. Dude, you feel the whole building. Yes. Still, still going. going. It's still going. Oh, my gosh. That's, Dude, a, that's big a big one. one. Holy mackerel. This is, uh, what, 75 miles north of where we are right yeah, now? That's big up there. Guys, we're my having watch, an earthquake. Okay. This is why you guys this don't This is live on the news. <laughs> yeah, dude. My watch said there's an earthquake, and I, I paused the show, but we're going to keep this in because that's cool. It's still going. It's still going. Yeah, look at my mic. My mic is still moving. Stop, dude, stop we, moving. Stop moving. I, I'm not moving. You can feel it in the shed. Oh, this is weird. That was cool. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, it wasn't a bad one. But now, we're, right now, we're having a uh, hurricane in Southern California with an earthquake mixed in. Oh, that is bad news. Ugh. On my Apple Watch, it says earthquake, drop, cover, and hold on. Shaking expected. Magnitude five point six in Ventura. And I'm thinking, well, it's only five point six. It's not. Hu- it's a, it's, it's if you're there, yeah. It's if it's there, you're holding on to the door jam. Like that's that's scary for a lot of kids and stuff. If you've never been through an earthquake, people who experience that are. Are Freaking. leaving California right now? Right, like they're I'm out. The ground, the ground moves here. And I'm by out. the way, if you might know someone who actually left California yeah, because, because they don't like yeah, it. Yeah. It's so disconcerting. It's weird. It messes with your your mind. Your, if, you, your if you've ever been in a fun house, it's the same thing yeah. where the where the floor moves under you yeah. and the walls like are are, are it's all out of sync. And yeah. anyway. So my, my watch told me I didn't think we would feel it, and we did. We felt it. All right, Truck Show Podcast, first ever live, <laughs> live earthquake. earthquake. Yeah, that was weird on my on my Apple Watch. That was neat. I don't even know what we were talking. Oh, I was uh, going to talk about full 150 pound feet more than a normal six seven. And you asked me the quarter mile time. And I asked you the quarter and mile. And I think time. I was going to say thirteen eight. The new pickup is half a second quicker in the quarter mile, fourteen point one. It's one point two seconds faster than ninety, hitting that in eleven point nine. So that's dude, dude, it's stout. It's pretty crazy. We've said this 500 times over the course of the podcast. This is a great time to be a truck owner. Like, you just, if you have money to buy a new truck, yeah. like, what do you get? I mean, do you get the Ram? Do you get the new GM with the interior? Do you get the Ford? Like, they're all well, battling okay. it out. My uncle? Yeah. My party yesterday shows up, brand new white Ram 2500 Cummins 4x4. Yeah. He's not a Ram guy. Like he's always been a Ford guy. He's been a Chevy guy. I've, I've never seen him. I don't think I've ever seen him with a Chrysler product. Interesting. That's like me. And this is my first one. Here he is, and he's like, "I love this truck." And I'm like, "That thing's a, that's a nice truck. It's a nice truck, except for the turbo lag, which is but, holy crap, is it bad in that but truck? It's only bad because you have something to compare it to. If you didn't have the Ram and the Duramax compared to, you would be fine with it. You're probably right. And but you can adjust you some it, of that out with Pedal Monster. Anyway, yes, he, you can. he listens to the show, and he said, I will be uh, hitting you up for some Bakes product. And I said, I know a guy. 
<laughs> so All we're right. going gonna to make sure my uncle gets uh, taken care of on that. All right. right. Friends and family discount? On the air, right? On the air? Yeah. Sure. No, no. I'm saying you're, I'm, you're saying yes. On yes. He's I, listening. I am saying we're that- We're taking I, care of him. Friends and family name? discount. What's his name? Warren St. Amon. Warren. I will hook a brother up. There you go. All right. W- will you will you hook uncle up? Yes. Perfect. All Same right. Thing. We're good. I just want to make sure. I, yes. you know, I don't want you, I don't want you to just like like wriggle out of the contract because the non What are you talking about? I, I we do this all the time. I want everyone to experience Bank's products. Yeah, they're they are great. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? No, wait. Nope. Uh, if you guys uh, have been reading the news, uh, Black Bear Pass, which we were just talking about, was closed. And, of course, some people in a forerunner thought, oh, we're going to go do it anyway. Got oh, stuck. No. Had to go get recovered on it. And the San Miguel Sheriff's Office issued a series of tweet, uh, basically, I guess, a series of X's? Oh, yeah, X's. Because you don't tweet anymore. You don't tweet anymore. It's, it's called X's. Uh, reiterating, Black Bears officially closed. Stop going up there. And then the sheriff... <laughs> Says so. What do they? They put a locked, you know, padlock over the gate, and people just drive around it. I don't think there's a lock on the gate. I think they just say, "Don't go up it's, there." It's closed. Yeah. So anyway, I want to read this. Uh, That's this a pretty tweet. feeble attempt, by the way, trying to keep people out. Well, I don't know. I don't live up there. Okay. I don't remember going through a gate. I think it's just it's in a mountain range and it's a road, and they're like, "Don't do it. It's closed." And then you should know because you're going up there. Like, check before you go, and don't be dumb and get stuck up there and cause a bunch of problems for Which people. Which they and, did anyway. Uh, so it says it's believed people drove up Black Bear Pass and dug out deep snow to be able to drive the pass. They posted on social media the pass was unofficially open. Well, officially Black Bear Pass is closed. Mitigation needs to be done, including clearing rocks that can cause rock slides. And the the uh, tweet continues. It is your responsibility to know before venturing out in the backcountry whether hiking a trail or driving on a pass. If the area is open and can be traveled safely, Black Bear Pass is dangerous, and you need experience in the right vehicle. Navigate safely. And then, of course, it finishes with this, which is my favorite. Some people have it together and know what they're doing, but some who venture up there are complete ass clowns. No way. We may not be able Wait, to reach what? it. This is from the sheriff's office. Hold on. Turn your laptop this way. Dude. Some, <laughs> some they pe- wrote ass clowns. Some people have it together and know what they're doing, but some who venture up there are complete ass clowns. We may not be able to reach you if you have an emergency up there, so be prepared to abandon your vehicle, be stranded, or be seriously injured and inconvenienced. Dude, there that's my favorite oh, public it. organization ever, Ass I, Clowns. I, I wasn't going to uh, read this until I read that the sheriff said, don't be an ass clown. I'm like, I'm in. Ten I'm like, points to that sheriff. We, we need to uh, let people know. So anyway, if you're going up there to San Miguel County, d- don't be an ass clown. Just check before you go, okay? Yep. Don't be an ass clown. Uh, hey, Lightning, did you hear? No. No. Mm-mm. How happy are you that you bought your TRX? I mean, pretty. Pretty happy. Because the 2024 Ram TRX starting price went up uh, $10,390. I saw that. <laughs> Dude, that is stings. And people are super pumped. They're like, and it's still a deal. I know. It's, it's crazy. Have you seen the Raptor R prices? No, I haven't. Dude. What are they going for? Like 115 120 something That's like that. That's stupid. And you can max out everything on a uh, on a TRX. And I want to say it's like 116 or something like that. 116.5. Should we go... Into your front yard to make sure the tree didn't fall on my TRX no, after that uh, no. earthquake. You have insurance. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so ninety-seven. Yeah, but it wouldn't cover the price of the new one. Nice, <laughs> true. Ninety-seven forty-five. Ninety-seven what? Four eighty-five. Ninety-seven thousand dollars. Ten thousand three hundred ninety dollar increase. Bonkers. Not the last year of the TRX, mind you. Just of the V eight. You can. I wonder if there will be the same backlash that Ford had when they went to the twin turbo three five. Uh, no, I think Ford probably paved the way for people. Well, um, to accept that. So uh, if you want a V8-powered, supercharged uh, 
TRX, you want a V8 powered, normally aspirated Jeep 392? You want yourself a Eco Diesel Gladiator. These are the world as we know it is coming to an end. And people, now's the time. You miss out after this year. You know, we don't want to be the ones who say we told you so, but well, you know. Well, I mean, you can buy one used, but it could be abused. Not the same. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope. Apparently, uh, 22 and 23 Toyota tenders are recalled for a fuel line problem. And apparently it will uh, cause a fire. There's a plastic fuel tube which could move and rub against a brake line and develop a fuel leak. And, of course, the fuel leak in the presence of ignition source could increase a risk of fire. So goes the uh, the release. Uh, approximately 168,000 trucks are involved. Nope, that's not what we no? want. No, no, no. Don't, don't blow any trucks up. Since Toyota's working on a replacement uh, part for now, and the uh, the fix will require two trips to the dealer, one for technicians to fit a stopgap solution so that you can keep driving your truck, and then uh, once the new part comes out, you'll have to go back for that. Uh, dealers have got to hate that. Multiple so, visits? Yeah. No uh, money coming in? All right, well, if you have questions, you can contact Toyota's customer service line at 800-331-4331. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! Nope. Uh, Nikola recalls every electric truck it's built to date. <laughs> Why? So apparently uh, they found out, if, if you remember, there was the truck that burned down at the headquarters. Yep. And then they're like, hey, that was sabotage. And then it was like, oh, maybe that's not when it relit a few days later. It relit? Yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> not not, not, a, not a great thing It was like one through. of those uh, joke candles, no, you know, that's not, that's keeps not, relighting that's itself. That's not great when yeah. your truck does that. So Anyway, it affects uh, 209 battery vehicles that's produced uh, so far since launching in March. It's only 209 trucks? Yep. And I mean, that's not the end of the world. No. And it says it's a uh, coolant leak inside a single battery pack that uh, caused the fire. So, no. No. No, we're not. That's bad lightning. Hey, lightning, did you hear? How about new? Nope. Lightning goes to hell for all of his. <laughs> that's not uh, going to surprise effects. anyone. Uh, Toyota files for the Landhopper trademark in Japan. You can hear it sucking. That's you, just dumb. Yeah, I don't know if that's for the new little thing that's coming out or. If it might be a trim or whatever, but Land Hopper sounds like a frog. It sounds like something you'd see at Disneyland, like in Adventureland or something, yeah. or Fantasyland. Uh, neither. Okay, <laughs> just regular <laughs> Disney, the whole bar. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, Lighting, did you hear? No, I have not heard. Apparently, the uh, next Nissan Frontier has been delayed by uh, two years. Could go electric, says a report. What? 2030 is when it's expected, so it's fine. We still have the little uh, mid-sized truck that we love so much. Love it. For a while. And again, I think I said in the last show, there could possibly be some uh, Nissan news here. In yeah, the I know. How long weeks. are you going to tease that? Because Until our, it comes out. A lot of our listeners are getting tired of your no, embargo. No, no they totally no, are. They're getting, tired. they're getting tired of you pushing buttons over there. Are they? Hey, Lightning, did you hear? No, I haven't. The uh, Fisker Alaska electric truck, which was uh, debuted. Wait, Fisker's still around after yeah. its, uh, what, 12th ownership? Uh, something like that. And uh, they Is have Heinrich their, still alive, their, by the way? Uh, yes. <laughs> their electric truck, uh, that kind of looks like a mix between a Santa Cruz and, I don't know. Like, hey, let's jump into the truck market. It's hot. Anyway, they're saying it'll be uh, 340 miles for $45,400. Okay. That's not which bad. Which doesn't sound horrible. Right. But I will add the same thing I, uh, I preface every time you don't actually get 340 miles. Whatever a manufacturer says you're getting that, you're living between like 10 or 15% and 80%. That's the reality of it. 
with your the charging, fast charging, all that stuff. So you're not really getting that. That's like when all the lights go on your dash and it goes into like, you know, limp mode. That's well, I mean, it's no different than draining your gas tank, right? Just going until no, it, it is different sputters. than that. No, it is different than that. And in, in, in your gas tank, you go, you can go down to zero and you're fine. You just pour gasoline back in your tank. You can't right. get going. You don't want to roach your batteries. So anybody who is trying not to, well, not, obviously you don't want to blow air through your diesel. I was pump just going to say, yeah, know, you're I not know. supposed to get, yeah, okay. Well, my my low. point is, I can go from five percent to one hundred percent every single time for All the right. life of the vehicle. All right, gas touche. Truck. Good point. So my range is always going to be pretty consistent with being able to do that on electric vehicle. Yeah, if you charge every night and whatever, yeah, you're probably you know you have the potential of making maybe. 80% of that range on a regular basis. I really, but even then, what's 80% of 340? 80% of 340 miles is? 272 miles. <laughs> I'm not even as good as your uh, 392. Uh, it might be close, <laughs> which is which is barely Sad. acceptable. But my, my point is that the average you know vehicle is going to live, the average electric vehicle is going to live between 15 and 80, 85% most of its life. And so you're not, it's not like every tank you're going to go see 340 miles. Right. Theoretically, you could, Get that, but at what cost to your longevity or batteries and all that stuff anyway. Hey guys, Miles, your producer here. Mm -hmm. That's too much news for one show. Let's read some emails so you don't bore people. <laughs> I think the emails are way more boring than the news. Uh, well, <laughs> sorry. You email? Yeah. All right, who's going first? You? By the way, that was a me. joke. That was a joke. I know. I was a joke. No, dude. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're like Dane and you want to write me a long, 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 awesome email, lightning at truckshowpodcast.com or Holman at truckshowpodcast.com. Now, Dane, I'm speaking directly to you now. This is one of one. It's like a CB. I'm talking right to you. Next episode. Next episode, we're going to answer your question. Great email. It's just I'm sick and I don't have time to get to it on this one. But and, I and even I, when he was well, it would be a crapshoot whether he. But right it's answer. a great email. It's very complimentary. You have some great lightning. Questions. Read the emails. This one is called uh, Navarro Spotting from uh, from T James. G'day from Coffs Harbour in New South Wales, Australia. Nah, that's not. I can't do no, it. No, it's I'm awful. G'day, yeah. Mike from Coffs Harbour in New South Wales. You try let's, it. Let's see here. I can't do it. G'day from Coffs Harbour in New South Wales, Australia. Here's a photo of a new Nissan Navara <laughs> in my work car park as we don't have frontiers here. This was taken from my 2008 Nissan GU Patrol Series 5.3 right liter common rail diesel that I've attached a photo of as well. Love your work. Keep on mounting those parameters. And five stars from down under. We'll love some stickers if you can afford the postage. We have to send him um, stickers. Congratulations. Just for, you have earned five stars. Stickers? We have yeah. sent him stickers just because we yeah. butchered his uh, homeland, his accent. Sorry. <laughs> He's like, I do not But sound you guys, like listen, that, I've assholes. said this before. Yeah. I love Australians. I know. I would, you if there's really... anywhere I could be reanimated into so if somebody like has swept off this you know, this this earth by an orb and they're like, You can't go back there and we're gonna reanimate you and some other I'd be Australia. Send me to Australia. That's where my kinfolk are. I know, but they don't like you because you're butchering their accent just awfully. Look at that Navara. That is that one's cool. Freaking like full overlining style. It's got a roof rack and awning on oh, it. Oh, it's totally cool. articulated out. The uh the driver's side rear is just stuffed and the front is hanging out. That's oh dude, I'm just I wanna get down there. I I seriously uh, I have I've only been to Australia a few times, but um 
I've had different trips over the years offered where I could have gone on like expedition. Just either somebody at work took it, but it's just it's Fire. too long though, right? It's going to end up being like weeks and weeks. Sounds somewhere. amazing. What are you talking about? Too long. Uh, well, now perfect. you can do it because you don't have a job. Yeah, I know. You should. It's I, uh, yeah. I'm wondering if it would be worth getting fired to go down there for. Me. Yeah, I'm talking about me. Yeah, yeah, maybe. For sure. I don't know. Coming back is going to be hard, but yeah. going down there is fine. Uh, if you guys have a, yeah, if you got fired, we could totally kill this podcast. We, we, oh, we, we'd we have it. so much time. Oh, dude, it would be unbelievable how much effort we could put into this. There are a hundred ways I could piss <laughs> off Galen. He'd let me go. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's self. Uh, you trying to do a self fulfilling, uh, self inflicted wound. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. This uh, one from Alden Lyric uh, wrote quick comments about the last show. Four cylinder hurricane. Wouldn't that be called a tropical storm? That's only funny because of today, uh, it's uh, tropical storming outside. Well, apparently earthquaking. Every time I hear Stellantis, I want to look it up in a book of infectious diseases. I'm it does sound that betting way. it would be an STI. Everyone talks about burgers at Culver's. No, no, I feel like Stellantis is the company that solved it. They've yeah, got, yeah, no, they're the pharmaceutical they're, company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone talks about the burgers at Culver's, but the best food at Culver's is the fish and chips. That is an unpopular opinion. What? Um, I'd rather have a butter burger. Uh, other quick question that Lightning might be able to answer. We have multiple fire engines that use DEF, but sadly, like you mentioned, we don't drive them long enough to get the exhaust hot enough to burn out. So... We're finding ourselves out of our area about twice a week doing a 45-minute run on the freeway trying to get the trucks into regen. Has there been any talk about deleting for emergency vehicles? And uh, thank you, guys. Great show. Emmy, yeah, buddy. And remember, everything matters. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for watching. And remember, everything matters. <sighs> deleting your DEF, your diesel exhaust fluid system, your after-treatment, for emergency vehicles. Let me add, let me put it this way. I gotta think no is the yeah, answer. Yeah. Unless you're the you, Army, Navy, they, or Marines. You know what the answer is? Yeah. Uh, manual regen. So that's a Ram though, right? Uh, he doesn't say. Okay. It's fire it, truck. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a Duramax, it's that's easy. Well, no, but I'm. this is probably a medium-duty chassis is my point. No, I understand that. But some medium-duty, like the Duramax, the reason that can we can command that is Because the they Duramax, have that option in the commercial side. That's exactly right. Uh, you can actually command it from what I understand from the steering wheel. On a Duramax-powered, like, bread van or something. Uh, the Ford... That'd be a hell of a bread van. The Fords were about to implement manual regen. This is where you can pull over to the side of the road, you know, at like a rest stop, lift your hood, and then it goes up, spins up to about 2,500 RPM and goes into a regen that, by the way, is the loudest thing you've ever heard. It's like a jet taking off. And it lasts for about 20 minutes and freaks everyone out. But once they do it, they're like, okay, I get it. I get what's happening here. Ram with the Cummins... We haven't figured out how to command the stationary regen yet. So write us back and let me know what truck you have, because maybe we can help? Question mark? Dot, dot, dot. Iceland subject line from Enrique Pacheco. Hey, guys, I know you like power strokes and big wheels. So here's some pictures of this incredible Ford Expedition that's used to go up the glaciers in Iceland. It's got 46-inch mud terrains and onboard tanks to adjust the tire pressure while driving. Cheers, Enrique from uh, Iberica Overland in Spain. And that is dope. Man, look at the so size cool. tires of this awesome. truck. No, let me let me show you this picture. Yep. He's got it parked next to it. It looks like a, uh, a Jeep like your wife's. Yep. Um, and it it's just huge. dwarfs it. Yeah, thank you for uh, writing us from Spain. All right, so uh, Trevor Nemero writes, theoretical Jeep question. Okay, just bench racing mental build. If you were to do a Jeep JL crawler starting with the absolute cheapest base model and then adding an Atlas, tons, et cetera, which motor are you going with? Any absolute must-have options? Uh, I would just do, it would be a Sport V6 uh, two-door. 
Yeah, the three six, right? Yeah, because uh, I don't want the turbo. Uh, so here's my here's my take. I love the two liter turbo, um, but is I, it hard I, to control on the rocks to keep it up in boost? Well, it's it's not necessarily the boost. There's a bunch of things. It's pedal latency. It's also um, torque converter surge, so it's hard to drive smooth. Wow. Uh, and then how uh, bad is it? I uh, it's I've only I've only been in a passenger seat. Uh, yeah, it's annoying. Um, here's the thing. I think that on the highway, the two liter is awesome. A lot of power, especially for climbing grades and all that kind of stuff. Altitude. I usually tell people this. If you are a daily driver, not a lot of off-roading, or you live at altitude, get the two-liter. If you are closer to you know sea level and you're doing more uh, off-roading and rock crawling, get the V6. couple reasons why. There's no turbo. Um, the V6 has more displacement. So you're having a displacement versus turbo uh, game, right? right? So there's no uh, replacement for that. And you don't have to... There's no replacement for displacement? Is that what you meant to say? What did I say? <laughs> I said there's no replacement for that. I know, but you didn't say it like the funny Be- phrase. Because that's a cliche, and I was trying to not Avoid speak it? in cliches. No, yeah, I think it's funny. All right, well, there's no replacement for displacement, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I can get the V6 with a manual. You can't get that with the with the 2-liter. And then also, uh, I think it's a lot easier to modulate off-road than the 2-liter is. So for me, it would be a V6 uh, 2-door manual, and I would start there because I think that would be one hell of an awesome crawler. And the V6 takes uh, uh, kindly to uh, pretty deep gearing because it makes its power. It's a lot higher in the power band. The four-liter makes its power, or the, I'm sorry, the four-cylinder two-liter makes its power down low. Six makes it higher, but it takes to gearing really nicely. So anyway. That's a good answer. That's uh, that's what I was saying. All right, got this one from uh, Mark Manti. says, YJ Wrangler Restoration Help. Hey, Lighting and Holman, greetings from Kenya. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. That's cool. So thanks again for providing great truck content and reading my emails on the show. I've been trying to put a 91 YJ back on the road for about a year and keep running into difficulty finding hardware, especially for the interior. The whole Jeep was basically disassembled to change the color from yellow to silver before I bought it. I've been spoiled in the past with other vehicles where vendors offer kits of replacement screws and clips. Do you guys have any recommendations on who I might contact for hardware for older Jeeps? Thanks in advance. Interesting. And by the way, you know that we're the number one truck enthusiast podcast in Kenya. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, wow, where does he go for all like a clip package? I, I I'd still say the dealer. Really? Yeah, I mean that's probably the best place to find all that kind of stuff. Is and and Kenny's gonna have to order and have it shipped in. I'm sure. Right. So There's yeah, it's not it's not like LMC truck or TMI or some of those who have. All the interior, we can do a full interior. The the Jeep market, there's not really any players there that I can think of off the top of my head. That I wonder why that. that is. I mean, you can get seats, you can get tops, you can get carpets. But I wonder why there's not a full retrofit company. Because you know, maybe I, they figure the old, well, there's probably not a lot of products to offer until you get to YJTJ. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of interior in previous Jeeps. or metal and mower metal and yeah, gotcha. sharp edges. That makes sense. Right, there's so much more email to get to. We will do it on the next episode, and we'll take some of your calls to the five-star hotline at 657-205-6105. Give us a ring, won't you? The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, oh, oh. And you can uh, find us on social, at LPC Lightning, at Sean B. Holman, at Truck Show Podcast, or you can email us, Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com, Holman at Truck Show Podcast, or Lightning at Truck Show Podcast if you want to get a hold of us. Individually, and I'm happy to report that uh, through uh, Hurricane Hillary and an earthquake, the uh, pod shed <laughs> is still standing. This could be the uh, strongest uh, building you've ever owned. It might be. In fact, uh, we were in here in with the AC on the entire time and riding in relative comfort. It did feel like a roller coaster for just a moment, it but was. the, the walls a, didn't sway. It was a uh, kind of a roller. 
You know, sometimes you get the hurricane or the earthquakes that are like a jolt. This is more of a roller. The 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 so, jolts are the freaky ones. Those are the ones that yeah. make people leave California because yeah. they, they bounce. Yeah, they don't feel just good. Freaky. But look, there's no uh, water intrusion in here. The four walls are still standing. Oh, you did a nice job. That's also, a, uh, uh, shed. I, I want to say thank you to all of you who uh, wrote me all sorts of funny uh, notes on my several stories of how to uh, smoke a brisket. So uh, go to, again, at Sean P. Holman if you want to see some of those. Or a couple reels on uh, operating a Tesla. Oh, listen, listen. You're running a couple of businesses. You've got Use for Adventure. Uh-huh. You've got Truck Famous LLC. Uh-huh. you got the, the pod shed. Uh-huh. you got the, the podcast. Uh-huh. you got everything that you're doing. OVR. 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 What the hell, dude? I'm on the board of directors at uh, NBCA. What? So stop it. Where are you finding the time to write <laughs> brisket instructions? Well, I didn't write them. I made videos, so I just did it concurrent with my cooking. Oh. I was just like, here, this is how you do it. I just, I just You need to prioritize, my friend. <sighs> it sounds like a, not a good use of your time. Why? We need to grow this show. And I don't know that brisket making, what do you call it? Brisket brewing? Brisket there's got to be smoking. something that's brisket smoking. No. That doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah, but you know what? It makes people go, wow. I Listen, we have audience members who are checking in, and they're like, I came for the trucks, but I stayed for the whiskey and uh, brisket. No. Yeah. No, they 100%. did not. No, yeah, no. They, they do. No, no, Listen, no. the Truck Show podcast is an education in manhood. This is the type <laughs> of show where it's like, oh, dude, these guys are talking about trucks, and they're like- Oh, they mentioned education. guns, and they oh, they mentioned uh, uh, whiskey, and they mentioned smoking meat, and they mentioned, and it's like it's just a, it's like a trip through Man Lane. That's it. A trip through Man Lane. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it. trip down Man Lane. Sure, whatever, whatever you want to say. <laughs> All I'm saying is that you, we, we are value add. How about that? Whatever you say, guys, quit your babbling about brisket and manhood. Get to the sponsors. <laughs> no, all right. right. Well, uh, Babbling About Brisket is a great band name. It is. <laughs> Write that down. I'm, I'm going to get right on that. All right, uh, we have Thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. They have been with podcasts since nearly the beginning, and if you are interested in a truck, you want to head on over to NissanUSA.com where you can use their build and price tool to see uh, which options and features they have uh, for you, how much it'll cost, and you can even head on down to your local Nissan dealer where you can uh, drive one and uh, experience zero-gravity seats, a Fender audio system, and a standard V8 in the Titans and a 310-horsepower V6 in the uh, Frontiers. You'll love them. Just like banks can make you love your own truck, and here's how. The Pedal Monster Throttle Controller. There are other ones you see on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, but I'm telling you, none of them are patented. Not only does the Banks Pedal Monster give you the acceleration back that you lost when you went up to 35s or 37s or, God forbid, 40s or 42s, Get the acceleration back, but get all the safety features that nobody else has. Reverse safety, active safety, low-speed trim. There are others that claim to be the most advanced throttle control. I'm telling you, the Pedal Monster is the real deal. Go to BanksPower.com, type in your year, make, and model, and find the Pedal Monster that'll take the pedal lag out of your truck. And you know it, your truck needs a new set of wheels and tires, and if that's the case, you want to head over to SDWheel.com. They do offer the largest selection of in-stock wheels and tires, no matter what your build style is. Are you a Carolina squatter? No, a, uh, no, a fl- they're not. Florida, uh, a Florida flosser, right? Like a or, crawler, or a uh, California West, pre-runner. Yep. Uh, I was gonna say West Coast. Is it California? I think it's West Coast. Or a uh, Colorado rock crawler. They got you. Uh, they got you covered. They will mount and balance and ship your tires to you for free. You can skip the tire shop, save yourself hundreds of dollars and the hassle, and they'll even include TPMS sensors if your vehicle requires them. Again, that's sdwheel.com.
This is the worst show we've ever done. Oh, no. Uh, this is uh, actually episode number 301. Uh-huh. And I can guarantee you there are worse shows in the catalog <laughs> than this one. True, true, true. Sadly. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.